Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. I've learned so much about life, about being a good person. If not for you guys, I'd be back on the thaw just waiting to be rescued like everyone else. Ezra, you have never been like everyone else. What exactly am I looking for? Nothing and everything. That doesn't help. Trust yourself. Trust the Force. I can see what they were thinking. You must have established a deep connection with them. The Force is trying to tell you something. Listen to it. We have hope. Hope that things can get better. And they will. Is it wrong for me to protect my friends? How can I choose to win? The question is... We are rebels. Fighting for the people. It won't be easy. We can't back down just because we're afraid. That's when we need to stand the tallest. Your voice started something. That something has grown bigger than I ever imagined. We can do this together. Let's go get Hera. You're in terrible trouble. Hey, I've seen you before. I have to tell you something. I hate your hair. Let's go, Rebels. Full-scale bombardment of the city. Is a creature mine at last? Hang on! I know what we have to do now. Masters and Padawans, episode 252 of Full of Sith. I am Mike Pilot with my co-host, Holly Fry and Brian Young. And if I had my sound machine working, I'd play applause and cheers and people losing their minds at the triumphant return of Mr. Young. Brian, how you feeling, bud? Good. You know, this is a Star Wars podcast. You could just do it in post. <sighs> You're a genius. <laughs> I would have never I thought was, of that. I was ready to do like the Muppets. <laughs> But that seems a little bit weird. Nah, I don't. I don't deserve that. You guys, you two did a, a great job with the show in my absence, and uh, it made me kind of feel like I just don't even need to be here. Like you, you two will just oh carry on with that. We were actually thinking the same thing. So now that you brought it up, maybe we should have a discussion. <laughs> I was gonna ask if you brought a a pole and a sun hat for that compliment fishing trip. But <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Seriously though, like. I missed I missed being on the show with you guys a lot. Um, I it was weird not having a voice generally, but not having a voice to talk about Star Wars. I had to take to Twitter, and that was weird. Yeah, you broke the internet. It's been been interesting, but uh, I'm glad to be back with you two, and and hopefully I don't sound too weird because I'm still recovering just a little bit. I, know, I think you sound pretty good. I'm going to tell you that. You know, I'm glad we didn't, and this is no offense to Holly or myself or anything like that. I'm glad we didn't get into anything too involved as far as the conversation goes about mythology of this or, you know, the history of that. I mean, you're kind of the anchor here. So it gave us an opportunity to just, you know, be Holly and Mike and, and bathe in the glory of the listenership. 
the last couple of weeks. And I can't say I, I, I didn't enjoy that. Yeah. No, I, everybody seemed to enjoy it. And uh, Bobby's episodes, those are just great. They're, just, uh, they're something else. Music episodes. They're just they're something else. And I hate giving Bobby compliments, but I just, I gotta, I gotta say good job. So if anybody yeah. hasn't listened to the How the Force Works, uh, one through three, get on that. And ping him on Twitter and say, hey, do this for the rest of the movies. He doesn't believe me that, that people want to hear that. Yeah. Again, yeah, with his fishing pole, he's just like you. You are like brothers in arms. <laughs> like how many times I got to tell you guys? How many times? Anyway, so we're going to talk about some Star Wars tonight. Um, Brian, what are we going to discuss this evening? So to start, I thought we'd start with that Rebels trailer, which came out this week. A uh, lot of surprises in there. A um, lot of, I don't know about you two, but it certainly made me cry. But uh, it gave us some flashes of things that I didn't expect to see necessarily as we head into the last six episodes of Rebels. Uh, we got to see some glimpses of Mortis, which I'm sure we'll talk more about later. We got to see some glimpses of Palpatine, and it's confirmed Ian McDermott is back in the role. Um, we got to see Ketu. We got to see Hondo. We got to see uh, uh, Governor Price in, in handcuffs and... And Kanan gets a haircut. It looks terrible. Just, it looks heart-wrenching. Yeah. I don't know about you two. I mean, that's the, the, the feeling I got watching it was just overwhelming sadness. Yes, Kanan's haircut makes me very sad. That's what you meant, right? Not just the whole sadness of the trailer. Sure. I like the haircut. <laughs> I'm pro-haircut. I, I want to say this right off the bat. Um, Holly, you've been all over the world in the last couple weeks. And Feels like it. Brian's been recovering from his surgeries and I had a pretty busy weekend. I'm actually really glad that we pushed off to Monday night to record when we usually record on the weekend because we actually get to talk about the trailer this week. Yeah. yeah. So that, that worked out in our favor. Usually it doesn't work out in our favor. And I just want to point out that the galaxy for once is, is on our side. Yeah. Yeah. And if I learned anything from the trailer, like I wanted a, a loath wolf. If I didn't know I could have three. <laughs> So watch out for yeah. that. But there's something ominous about that, like one last lesson kind of thing, though. Yeah. Was that Obi-Wan in that last little shot there? No, I think I don't think so. You mean in the hologram? Yeah. I kind of thought that was Palpatine, but I don't even I know for too. sure. I thought it was Palpatine, but, so, but I'm with Brian on the uncertainty. Um, But I mean, Holly, how did it? How did it make you feel? Well, Where were you when you watched it? Okay, so I have to set the scene a little bit. So I have been running all over creation. And this weekend, I went to New York to go to the Met to go to the Michelangelo exhibit. Um, and I was joking with my best friend that what was going to happen is the solo teaser was going to drop while we were there. Because if, you are, if you've ever been to the Met, uh, there Beautiful. are huge areas of that museum where you don't get any kind of cell coverage <laughs> yep that's exactly right because you're not supposed to be covering your cell you're supposed to be exactly. looking at michelangelo you're supposed to be crying at art which is precisely what i did a great deal of the time but um so that did not happen but of course the the rebels trailer dropped and so it was kind of maddening because you know when you're traveling and you're busy doing stuff and i was still like having to field work emails and whatnot like, I, I was just not able to, like, sit down and get five minutes of trailer time. I was actually on a plane when it dropped, um, and the Wi-Fi wasn't working on the plane. <laughs> like, it would come in for, like, a second and then drop out. So uh, by the time I actually got to it, I think I was so relieved that I was beyond getting too um, darkly emotional about it. I was just excited to see it. So I didn't cry at anything. I was more like clap my hands giddy at how pretty it all looked. Yeah, I'm I'm going to agree with you. I I you know, there's been some trailers that have really uh, turned on the waterworks for me. This one is more there's so much going on and I want it to last forever. Like I really want to have it draw itself out, but I also want to see the end that it was more of I'm just trying to capture every little thing they're showing towards, you know, the second half of that because they were showing the build up and then, you know, new stuff. So I, I, I'm with you. I'm just was just trying to soak it all in. And and again, Lothwolves. I just bawled like an idiot. Like and and I 
it made me really emotional. And seeing it put me in a really emotional Star Wars-y state of mind, and it came out like I literally didn't leave the house until that morning um, from the time I had my surgery. So I'd been cooped up in the house until Friday morning. I went to the coffee shop to get some work done to try to catch up on things. The trailer drops. I'm a, an ugly, sobbing mess in the coffee shop. And then that was my first chance to go see Last Jedi in the theater since I'd left the house. Wow. And so I went to Last Jedi after that, and I just, it, all of that pent up emotion from that Rebels trailer made Last Jedi just that much more emotional. So I just balled through that. Um, but there's some, I mean, like, we're, we're coming to the ends of these characters, we're coming to the ends of their stories. All of these questions are going to be answered. We saw Convors, which makes me think we are going to see some more resolution on Ahsoka. We saw Mortis, which makes me think that they're going to dive deeper into the mythology and some weird things can happen to Kanan and Ezra. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the Rebels at their most desperate, which makes me very terrified. And we've got a 90-minute finale, so no matter how bad anything gets in any of these individual episodes, they can get really bad, really bad in that finale because they've well, got a movie. Yeah, well, and have you uh, been reading any of the coverage of the trailer? I, I haven't. What? Uh, because there was a, an interesting piece. Let me try to pull it up while we're chatting. Um, where uh, Anthony Bresnikan was covering it for Entertainment Weekly, of course. Um and there were some interesting quotes from Filoni about it, and a couple that made me um, very frightened. Because <laughs> uh, he mentioned, you know, like, of course we see uh, the ghost, and we hear Hera mentioned in Rogue One, and we see Chopper, and he's like, one, like, I understand the impulse of fans, and of course this is not a direct quote, this is me parsing it out. Uh, I understand the impulse of fans to want everything to connect up, but it shouldn't. And also, like, this is not... We know when we have Rogue One and that the Rebels have not had victories against the Empire leading up to that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, crap, Speckle. This is going to get really ugly. <laughs> yeah, well, and people are people are saying that, that they think Thrawn is a goner. I have to tell you, I've I've been thinking that all along. I don't think so. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just overly optimistic that they're going to keep Thrawn. But that just seems to make sense to me. I you know the one thing I want to point out, and it's not so much about the trailer. It's about you know just thinking about the last couple years. Like we find out we're losing Clone Wars and Rebels is announced, and trying to be positive and and. And then going through the first couple seasons of that, and then learning from Filoni at Celebration that it's going to be the last season, and everybody's all bummed, but it's, you know, in your heart of hearts, you're, like, happy that he gets to end it his way and see the the close to it. And, you know, you hear you guys talking about worry and, and fear and doubt and all these things and, you know, the end of these characters and... To, to just think back a couple of years, we didn't have any idea about any of these characters, and we... You know, you start out watching the show not knowing anything and, and how important the characters have not not only have how important they have become to us, but a lot of people. It's really it's really funny to think about just in that small period of time, because it really isn't that long a time. Yeah. Oh, man. I found this uh, this uh, little piece. It's a slideshow, basically, where each slide is a uh, discussion of it. Um, and it mentions the ghost, everything being included in, in Rogue One, and it says, but Filoni says fans shouldn't expect Rebels to end by linking perfectly with that film. That's where you can get trapped, working on a big franchise like Star Wars. That's a quote. Uh, People get more concerned with filling in gaps between things and making them all mesh. I say I totally get why that seems natural to you, that it would end with Scarif, because that's the latest beginning endpoint that you know. But he wants the show to be more self-contained. Expect the final episode to be more mysterious and intimate than explosive. I think audiences are almost fatigued with, is it big enough in terms of volume of battle and explosions? I think they want it to be emotionally fulfilling enough. I hope that's what we actually hit with the end of the show. Um, so 
it's a little like I wouldn't, you know. Can I can I float a crazy theory? Yeah, oh, my favorite. What if this ends with Kanan becoming father, Ezra becoming son, and Ahsoka having taken the mantle of daughter? Sure, maybe. I mean, I would say there's almost more potential for a little more um, gender shuffling than that. Well, I was just thinking the specific connection between Ahsoka and Daughter because Daughter's already sacrificed her life for Ahsoka. That's true. And with Kanan sort of being... Um, but but maybe 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 that makes her sort of the mother character. That's kind of what I was thinking, only because, also, I love Kanan, and I don't want to sound like I'm uh, in any way, like, ripping on Kanan, but I don't see him... I could be wrong. I may be talking out of turn here, but I don't I don't see him as the father. Like, I don't see him with that level of, like, balance and equanimity. I agree with you. Um, but if... But I could see Kanan being that, that more pure person i think ezra yeah. flirted with the dark side way too much that oh, i think sure. he's sort of automatically the son in that in that situation but that would be an interesting way to take them off the playing field and replace those gods of mortis that have been removed from the playing field and and i mean having rewatched the show having rewatched those episodes just this week um you know obi-wan kenobi says flat out like any conflict that happens here is going to have huge ramifications for the galaxy. And I think when we were watching Clone Wars, or initially we were thinking that just meant Order 66. But as Rebels has played out, uh, and even going back and watching the original trilogy with Mortis in mind, you see the ripples of what happened on Mortis spreading out, like, like ripples in a, in, a, in a pond you've thrown a stone into. And maybe maybe this kind of brings us back to get heading toward a balance point holly the president article you were talking about um he he said he talked about uh, feloni talked about uh, them being more contained the story being more contained well the the run of the show they've been pretty contained they, they only until what this past beginning of this this season they weren't really with any of the other factions of you know the rebellion they they pretty much have been doing their own thing so keeping it contained like that that seems to make the most sense yeah, and I mean, they do reference, right, in the clips leading up to when they start showing us new stuff of what's coming in these last two hour-long episodes and then the 90-minute finale, that, you know, Ezra's message of rebellion and hope has sparked a lot of things. And so they're connected to it, even though they're not maybe directly interacting with it, which I think is an interesting mm-hmm. way to stage it. And do you think we're going to see anything about the Mandalorians in the last six episodes? Well, I mean, I think we're going to see some from Sabine. I'm really like, I'm still curious. There's, there's holes in things that have happened that I know are stories that, that probably should be told. And the Siege of Mandalore is one. And I wonder if, I don't know, just I, I feel like there's a whole string of untold stories that have to do with Bo-Katan. Um, yeah. That could also involve the Siege of Mandalore and Ahsoka and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, these shows, I, I think this goes to what Filoni was saying in that quote that Holly just read, right? They've built this animated world that feels like it's so much larger than what, are, what we've focused on with our characters. But our characters are absolutely where the focus is. So that all that other stuff that's happening is happening off camera or in the background because the universe is so full and moving and actually working. And I think Mandalore is one of those things where the the situation is is there and it's ripe to explore, but who knows if we'll ever get to. So what Brian with this uh trailer you said that, you know it was a little emotional for you. What were just a couple of the things that got to you the most? Just generally like the interactions between Ezra or not Ezra, um Kanan and Hera. Mm-hmm. Um I rewatched right like the day before Last Jedi came out. I rewatched the first half of season four, and I didn't realize how cathartic um, it was to see them finally kiss. Right? Mm. 
And then the cliffhanger at the end of the season made me feel like we'd never see them together again and that that would be their last, their first and last kiss. But seeing them together in the trailer was sort of overwhelmingly happy, even though everything seemed so grim just because of that. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of hit me the hardest. Um, Palpatine hit me the hardest because Chief Palpatine doesn't leave the office for anything. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, in all of Clone Wars, we saw him in the flesh once. And it was because Darth Maul had done such a thorough job of screwing up his plans. And he knew he was the only person who was going to be able to deal with that. Yeah, he had to go take care of business. That he had to. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that, that Sheev shows up in person to deal with Ezra Bridger makes me like, I can't even fathom what kind of crap goes down. And, and his comment about Ezra Bridger is mine at last or whatever the quote is. Yeah. Like, I didn't really give it a lot of thought that the emperor was really like reaching out for Ezra. Like I didn't really give it any kind yeah. of thought whatsoever, but I can tell you there's a lot of uh Sheev fans that are really happy with what's uh what's to come seeing that that scene i think we're all happy right we're all oh yeah fans yeah oh you know there's fans and there's fans (laughs) so yeah there's there's like greedo fans and holly you know no what i mean is like you can love the idea of palpatine in it but still be like damn you palpatine that's what i meant Uh, nah not damn him he's just doing what he thinks is right (laughs) trying to bring peace to the galaxy his peace, I mean, what about peace? And and I, I think the other thing that really hit me was Mortis, which I'm sure we'll still talk about a little bit more. But what about you two? What what hit you two the hardest about this trailer? Holly, you want to go? Sure. Um, it's kind of funny because it's it's a moment that it would have hit me even harder, but there's an immediate juxtaposition away from it that kind of helps. And it's for some reason, and I don't even know, like I don't have an explanation, but it is seeing Hera in like prison garb was oddly moving to me and i was like this sucks she should never like you know be be captive uh but then she immediately says i don't remember her exact line but it's basically like you know you don't know what you're in for or whatever and immediately there is fisticuffs so then it kind of breaks and a lightsaber yeah there's lightsaber cuffs i don't know how that would be put um aggressive negotiations (laughs) there you go but yeah it was uh made the stark reality of her being a captive in all of this very real in a way that even though we knew it had happened and it's not new information, seeing it is a little more impactful for me. Yeah. No, I, there was definitely that last episode of the finale, the mid-season finale is it takes a toll. Like there's that shot the 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 shot where the rest of Phoenix Squadron is watching the sky over the capital and they're streaking down like the, the rebel attack fleet is streaking down the sky and, and Thrawn's trap had, trap had worked so effectively and they're just crashing into the city and they realize that the entire attack team is toast from that distance. And there's something really powerful about the distance of that watching that scene is how this entire trailer made me feel Hmm. right yeah what about you mike so i i guess a couple things having the emperor coming out to take care of business really raises you know the importance of everything that's going on so i think that that's excitement there to see how that's going to run out because when thrawn was teased that that was coming it kind of brought it to another level like they're not just dealing with goofballs all over the galaxy there's higher stakes you know so that was one of the things just being able to see some more of the old characters before everything ends is exciting to me um i like the whole scene with Hera and kanan we were talking about them but you know it looks like it's a tender moment and she says i have to tell you something and she says she doesn't like his haircut i think that that little bit of star wars humor that they throw in there is is great but finally I don't remember the exact quote, but as we're talking to Kanan about, you know, if it wasn't for Kanan, he'd still just be, you know, on Lethal and just being nobody. And Kanan saying, you, you've never just been nobody. And 
everything that Ezra has gone through in these couple seasons and how much Ezra has grown. I mean, if you really go back to the older episodes and his flirting with, uh, I wouldn't say, I don't know about flirting with the dark side, but the whole storyline with Maul and the, the holocron and, and everything else. I think that I want to see what's going to happen with Ezra in the beginning. There was a lot of characters that I would have put in place before Ezra, as far as my interests go. But over the last few, few seasons, and my empathy towards what this kid has been through, I want to see how it plays out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think uh, I, I, it's going to be a hell of a it's going to be a hell of a six episodes, and it's going to be rough. And I'm kind of curious as to why people are saying like, well, it's just a kids show; it can't be that rough. But it's like, has everyone already forgotten Twin Sons or right. Twilight of the Apprentice? Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, like. I, this can go very rough. I mean, they, they practically, granted it was ambiguously, like, killed Ahsoka. They've killed Maul. Um, and I, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more beautiful moment than Obi-Wan cradling Maul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was going to say, the thing about Maul's death, too, is not like, we killed the bad guy. It is a moment of conflict and and weirdness and acceptance of a situation. Like it's it's complicated. It is not just kid stuff. Yeah, yeah it's it's so much deeper than that. Yeah, it's you know, the Last Jedi. I've heard people say like, well, it's not a kids movie, and it's like, but there's the same level of complication that we're seeing in the the animated series. And I would argue that kids entertainment in the '70s, when the first film came out, or even in the '90s when Phantom Menace came out just hasn't been as complex uh as it is today because of the world we live in yeah you know what i mean yeah no absolutely i think that you know the the entire run of this show just by the nature of you know the the empire is is, has its fist around the whole galaxy and it's squeezing and there is hope but there's a lot of despair there's a lot of a lot of people not knowing what they can do, knowing that there isn't anything they can do, that they're just stuck, and to see the the rebellion grow, and even though that's kind of cool and that does have like happy ideas down the road, the whole run of this show I feel has been very dark, and not in a bad way. Like dark, where you have to be when you you've got a show set during the dark times. Yeah, yeah, it has to be, and to think about this being six episodes, even though you're saying the last one is 90 minutes. Um, it's a lot of information to pack into six episodes, but if I have confidence of anybody actually doing it, I'm feeling pretty confident about this. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, the cartoons for me make the movies better. Like they make my, uh, they make my enjoyment of star Wars better. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I've heard a lot of that too, where where people have said like, "How could Yoda have called lightning down with the Force as a Force ghost?" And it's like, well, we've seen some stuff kind of like that on Rebels, and then they get mad at me and pound their fist on the table. It's like, well, we shouldn't have to watch the cartoons to understand why that's possible. But it's also like, it's a fantasy movie and magic does stuff. Well, right. <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's not. It's not that they anybody has to watch any of the additional stuff outside the films for things to make sense. Those are, I mean, for us, I think it just makes sense. It's another layer of sense because there's precedent and or, you know, a repeat of that same kind of information. So it just seems very natural. But when we saw it the first time in the, the shows, in the animated series, we weren't like, that's impossible. So there's a whole other thing going on there, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, it it's there there's there's multitudes of things happening that inform all of this stuff too and maybe that's why maybe it did prepare me not so much as though I needed to see any of it for the last Jedi but it certainly prepared me because ev- for everything that people sort of had a hard time swallowing there was an analog on one of the animated shows that that brought that sort of thing into the universe, whether that was Kanan surviving in space and pulling himself into the airlock hangar with the force or Yoda's force projection from Dagobah or uh, things like that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. 
just there's a lot of things that uh, that the the show prepared me for, and I would have been so, I, like I would be shocked if Ryan Johnson hadn't taken all of that in. I want to add to that a little bit too. So, do you need to watch these? these episodes or the Clone Wars episodes to have an understanding or to, to realize what's going on in the movies. You don't need to, but I wonder if in this age that we live in, it's the old person's podcast. Are you just going to hear this kids uh, in, uh, and get off my lawn while you're at it? <laughs> Do you think this on demand, everything is at the tip of our fingers and we don't have to search for things that the younger generation is used to that it's a valid complaint like they i mean go on google and 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 search it you're going to find 20 different articles about it that that could tie that together for you You don't necessarily have to watch it but it's just like any of the books or any of the role-playing games or or the video games or anything it's just it adds an extra level of grandeur maybe i'm being really cynical in in this but i think part of it is how deeply people are watching their entertainment right yeah. yeah. And and I think because we do a weekly show about Star Wars, we're used to really reading deeply into it because we know that those things are there and they're beneath the surface. But if you've got someone who's like, hey, cool, a new Transformers movie, I'm going to go check that out and enjoy it. And you don't have to do any work to see anything beneath the surface. And Star Wars doesn't, especially The Last Jedi, doesn't spoon feed you anything. Mm-hmm. I've heard from so many people in that, that Luke thread that I had go viral that they didn't really understand that context because they weren't thinking about it in co- in concert with the other movies or with how, how, who Luke really was. They just thought Luke got to be a hero and he rode off into the sunset to be a, a hero forever and ever and ever. And they didn't understand why he thought he was being heroic, right? Like they didn't d- dig deep. They didn't do that close reading, that, that, that college level sort of close reading of what it is. And they didn't enjoy it on a kid level either, mm-hmm. right? Where they didn't just say like, wow, all this stuff's cool. I'm watching a fantasy movie. So they get caught in that middle ground where they want to overthink the wrong things, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I think maybe it's just we're not teaching each other how to digest media in the right way, especially Star Wars that, that, that does have that depth. So I'm going to say this out loud again. Do you need to watch these to have a better understanding of what's going on in these later movies? Need? No. No. But. But. If you haven't watched them, let me share this with you. I would have never, ever, ever, ever thought 10, 7, 6 years ago that some of my most favorite things that have happened in the Star Wars galaxy would be on these shows. I would have never thought that, but to sit here and talk to you guys, Twilight of the Apprentice or Twin Suns are better than some of the movies. I so wouldn't go that far. I would I'd say that they're as exactly as amazing as some of the movies. There's some movies that I like less than I like Twilight of the Apprentice. So that being said, you know, if you have a couple extra minutes, check them out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the Mortis arc is, I think... Getting back to Mortis and what that might mean for Rebels, I do feel like if there is one arc of the show, of any of the shows, that you should watch to gain a deeper understanding of the Force and the cosmic Force versus the living Force and some of the metaphorical things that are going on in the movies, those three episodes of Mortis are, maybe they are mandatory, because and George Lucas had this, I mean, George Lucas came up with these and they have had these rippling repercussions across the board. I mean, I, I, I watched them this week thinking with last Jedi in mind, and we can talk about that if, if you guys want. Yeah. Um, I actually start, I tweeted about them some, but I said, I like rewatching them. I would be astonished if Ryan Johnson didn't watch them while he was writing the last Jedi. And you know who liked that tweet? Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. There you go. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily proof that he watched it, but it, but at least he liked that thought. <laughs> the humble brag, by the way. Ryan um, Johnson. Um, Can no, I that's, jump in for one second before we go down the Mortis path? Please. 
um, sorry to backtrack, but I just listening to you guys talk about the difference between kind of a baseline viewing versus an in-depth more like I think Brian referenced it as like a college class analysis viewing. It really struck a chord with me because I think what is happening, this discord that we continue to see a little bit in the, um, the fandom is that people are watching just the movie. They're asking the college level questions, but they don't want to like take that reading in seems to be what's happening whereas it's almost like people are forgetting that they have been doing all of that extra reading for years about all of the other stuff it just struck me as very interesting that like they want to ask the questions that would lead to that discussion but there seems to be this thing of like pushing away the actual um syllabus material yeah yeah. and and uh, to add to that they're they're looking at last jedi in particular they're looking at as a single movie they're not holding it up against any story previous to it. They're still holding on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was just my thought that it really stood out to me suddenly as we were discussing it. That like, It's like they want to have the dissection discussion without any of that. It's like when you read John Milton and then there's criticism in the book and you want to do the dead poets thing and not read any of the criticism but you still want to ask all the criticism questions and then you're kind of left floundering a little bit. I feel like that might be happening here. Yeah. Like with, you know, people that are struggling with some of those things. Anyway, that was just my thought. Please go down the mortis arc. Thank you for sharing that Holly. Well, there's, there's things in the mortis arc that, that sort of astonished me how much they, they matched last Jedi. Um, you have like, Shmi and Qui-Gon in the first episode sort of espousing things we hear in The Last Jedi. In Alter Mortis, the second episode, Sun like lays out Kylo's plan. Like Kylo's plan, like we need to leave the the Sith, the Jedi, all of that behind. Like Sun gives pretty much the same speech mm-hmm. to yeah. Anakin. And then you've got there's other similarities too, where you've got daughter who's like the avatar of absolute selflessness on Mortis making these sweeping proclamations. Like I cannot interfere with the ways of the force. And that reminds me so much of like, is that the path Luke took where he felt like he couldn't be interfering with it. Right. To, to say that the Jedi die, that the light dies is, is vanity, right? Like, I'm not going to interfere with any of this because that's not my place. That's not what light is. Um, and, and like there's other moments like where Ahsoka turns on Anakin and Anakin refuses to kill her, but instead is going to fight her as nonviolently as possible is like a weird twisted mirror version of what happens between Luke and Kylo on crate. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, like even themes of hope, like Shmi talks about hope. Father, like, says flat out, like, there is no hope. And Anakin screams at him, like, yes, there's always hope. Um, and like, even like in the dialogue, right? So you've got um, people asking where Anakin has gone. Uh, when he goes to the that lava area, they call that the well of the dark side, which sounds like if you were to describe to me where Ray went in the last Jedi, that would be like the well of the dark side. And oh, it showed yeah. and it showed Anakin very different things than it showed Luke, which would be the cave on Dagobah and Ray uh, on Octo. Because Ray and Luke are more alike. I think, and they got more similar uh, visions about, but I'm having a hard time articulating this, but Anakin was in a place much more powerful in the force than Luke or Ray were, so he got a more complete picture of the horrible things he would do, but he goes straight to the dark side. Like, he's like, look at all these horrible things I'm going to do. Like, I'm going <laughs> to kill everyone now to prevent me from doing all those horrible things later. and. Luke and Ray both kind of pulled back from that, but I, it it's 
so much, like even down to like father killing himself, like father walks up to son and stabs himself with his own sword and dies, sacrificing himself so that he can set so that someone else can can set the son free. And that's exactly what Luke does for Kylo. Right? Like Luke doesn't specifically stab himself with his sword, but metaphorically he does. So that someone else can set Kylo free. And it's like there's so many ripples in that, the same way you see the same sorts of sacrifices that Anakin makes, the father for Luke in Return of the Jedi, the same sort of sacrifices Ahsoka makes for Kanan and Ezra in Twilight of the Apprentice. And even, I, I don't know, it's just like the, I feel like Charlie Day in that meme explaining how important Mortis is. <laughs> and that you can, you can take every single like movie or or sweep of movies or theme of of force and sacrifice and hope in Star Wars and watch Mortis with that specifically in mind and come up with a reading of it that exactly mirrors it in really interesting weird ways. And you know, no matter how many times you watch it, you're always coming up or you're always finding something different that you didn't consider or you didn't see the last time you did it. And what that that three episode arc does for me it leads me to have complete faith in myself to know that I know nothing about the force or the galaxy because I'm constantly thrown for a loop. Anytime I try to consider something from one of the movies, as far as what one of the characters say or do, I know nothing, Brian. I know I, I just need to keep watching it more and listening to other people because it's very complex. Well, I, th I, I think on some level it is, but on some level it's not, right? Like, Mortis, Mortis is a Rorschach test, right? Like, every every time I watch Mortis with a different thing in mind, I see something different in it, mm -hmm. depending on my state of mind, depending on where I'm at with the rest of Star Wars. Like, it's something you should revisit every once in a while and see what it tells you, because it's so, like, rich with metaphor. It can literally mean anything. And it's designed to be that way, I think. To anybody at any time. I mean... Yeah. And that's what I that's, mean by complex. That To me, that's complex. That's... I would like to... But sometimes I would like to just say, I know the answer to this, and not have <laughs> it completely blown up in my face because I thought I had an understanding. And I really... And I have a general understanding. I mean, I, I should if I do a Star Wars podcast, but some good writing. Yeah. Yeah. What were we I say, Holly? get hung up on that with where I'm trying to look at it, like in terms of metaphor and spirituality and what it means in the bigger picture and what always kind of trips me up. And this evidence is my own mental hangups is what a jacked family dynamic that whole thing. is. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, how can you hold the answers to the spiritual nature of the galaxy when like, you are an abusive father and you siblings are horrible to one another. <laughs> because there is no functional family in any galaxy or any universe. Everybody's a dysfunctional family because in some way. Because mother ran out on them. Right? Exactly. That's my other thing. Is like, where is your mom? <laughs> Not really. But um, it does. That does. That dynamic amongst the three of them messes with me because it seems almost like the, that whole thing is being painted right as this sort of nexus of the the force and how the galaxy is going but at the same time it has its own internal problems so it creates kind of a weird inception issue for me but you also have the fact that maybe they're not actually people either maybe they really are just physical manifestations of the will of the force and the flow of the force because mortis is a nexus through which all the force flows. So maybe their personalities and their relationship is reflective of the surface of the galaxies and, and the state of the force rather oh, yeah. than them being actual people. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I think part of it, right, you get in a chicken or the egg thing where yeah. I like your idea yeah. of it being reflective rather than it having a determinant of what flows out into the galaxy. Well, but they say it does, though. Obi-Wan says flat out, any conflict that happens there will have consequences in the galaxy. So maybe 
maybe their baseline is that they're just a reflection of it, but when Force users like Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, and Anakin show up and just start fighting with everybody, then then maybe that that is what has the consequences. See, now you've got me back to my original problem. <laughs> okay. But that's okay. That just makes it richer to watch and figure out. But, I mean, Obi-Wan could have been the father, and Anakin could have been the son, and Ahsoka could have been and- the daughter. Obi-Wan could have also been wrong. I mean, that guy's wrong a lot. <laughs> Poor Obi-Wan. He He's tried. also a fibber. <laughs> he tried so hard. Guy's a, guy's a bloody liar. Yeah. Yeah, don't That's... trust him as far as you can throw him. He's not telling you the truth. <laughs> I mean, any ghost that is gets tired and wants to sit on a log... Is obviously holding back something. Is he really a ghost, or is it more like a Scooby Doo kind of situation? <laughs> uh, no, I, it, I that was funny. I, I've heard a lot of complaints of people were somehow upset that that Yoda in on this island that is this powerful nexus of the Force, who even in the the Visual Dictionary says that it's very much like Dagobah or Mortis, and time works and flows differently there, and is super powerful in the Force is able to conjure lightning and hit Luke with his cane that it was some breach of force power, but we've seen Bendu do similar things and he's outside the the force as we know it. And mm-hmm. you know, Obi-Wan's over there sitting on logs, like he's interacting with his environment every bit as much of a as a, a cane hitting Luke. Listen, yeah. if it was me, I'd be sitting on a log too. I don't want to stand. Yeah, take a load off. You don't know how busy he is in Force Ghost Land. He could be running marathons. He could be doing lots of stuff. He needs to sit down and take a break. <laughs> I like the idea that there's a whole alternate universe Force Ghost Land where like Obi-Wan has been training for a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I like it, too. It's going to be the new cartoon that comes out. Force Obi-Wan. Ghost Land. Marathon Adventures. Obi-Wan's Force Ghost Land, and he'll be like the <laughs> ringleader of the whole, you know, land. Sitting on logs. There you go. You heard it here first. Brian, I don't know. I, I I think that that's such a small thing to bring up or to worry about or start an argument about. Like, yeah, hitting with a cane. I mean, we, we do have to, at some point, go back to what Holly said in the earlier part of the show, and we've been saying all along, it's still a fantasy movie. And sometimes you got to let some some stuff go. There's no sound in space, but nobody has a problem with things blowing up, you know, and yeah. hearing explosions. By the way, now I've seen Last Jedi a couple more times, that light speed apocalypse crash is just more beautiful every time I see it. It's like, I, I wait for it, I wait for it, I wait for it, and I watch it, like, on the end, I get up on the edge of my seat and watch, try to take in as much as I can, and that has to be some of my, some of the favorite 10 to 15 seconds of any movie I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it's Agreed. stunning. I love the Holdo maneuver. I'm I'm not sure why people don't like it. I'm not sure why, I, like, the more I watch this movie, the more completely sublime an experience it becomes. And the less I understand uh, dislike for it, it, it feels there are some valid criticisms or, or people that, that have taken things a certain way and don't like it. And I, I have no qualms with, with differing opinions, but the more I watch it, the more I feel like it's just a really beautiful Swiss watch of Star Wars. Yeah, I think I haven't seen it in like two weeks. It's been very rough. Neither Brian. He was out for that whole time. He didn't leave the house. Yeah, I've been on the road too much and have not had a minute to like go to a movie theater. The one day that I had planned that we were going to go to the movies was last Wednesday and it snowed in Atlanta and we could not leave the house. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bummer too. Are you going to have any like free time for yourself in the next couple months? Are you going to actually be able to sit down on a log? Me? Oh, no. Um, no, no, is the short answer. Okay, okay. Like, first quarter of this year is pretty insane for me. Uh, and then we launch our new podcast, the new podcast that I host. I have two others I'm executive producing that will launch before then, but then mine launches March 22nd, and then March 23rd I'm going to run away. 
for a couple days. Well, you do a lot. Sorry I brought that up in there, but I was concerned about my friend, so I thought I'd ask. <laughs> You're so sweet. <laughs> I'm going to get back to what Brian was saying um, uh, just a few, a few minutes ago. Um, I have no problem if with anybody questioning something in the movie or many things in the movie. It's never going to take away how I perceive this movie or how much I like this movie because it was really not the Star Wars movie I was expecting. And for me to be completely shocked and surprised, just that effort right there really um, says a lot to me, at least. And um, so if you want to, and I've been telling people this. I remember I said a couple of weeks ago that I wasn't looking at anything anybody was saying online. I was staying off the interwebs and reading comments. Uh, the last week and a half, too, I've had a little bit more conversations. I read a little bit more, and I, I like having those conversations. I like to hear, I like to hear people's problems. I want to hear what they, what what they think. And it's not, and I'm in no position to tell somebody what to think or or whatever. But as long as they they put it forward as in this is how I feel, this is what I believe, and they don't say I'm dumb for for liking it, then that's a great conversation for me. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got an email if you guys are interested. Sure. I think that sounds grand. Listen, everybody, so, we're keeping up on our promise from last week. Here's an email. So this is from Travis, and Travis is a new listener, and uh, he says, Hello, Full of Sith team. First off, I want to say that you're all awesome, and thank you for doing what you do. The Last Jedi might be my favorite Star Wars film, and it is for sure my top three. I've watched it five times so far, and each time I catch more and it gets better, your conversations add another layer to it, and the three-parter on the music was incredible as well. Mm -hmm. I am a 30-year-old married father of two who's a huge Star Wars nut. Wife had never seen the movies till she met me. Um, most of my friends aren't Star Wars fans either, so I'm glad I started listening to your podcast because it feels like a whole new set of friends. So... Uh, welcome. Yeah, I can't. I can't argue with his logic thus far. We are all great, and it is a good movie. <laughs> Continue, <laughs> Travis. Um, he says uh, he goes on to say his eleven-year-old stepdaughter has special needs and it doesn't really watch or comprehend movies. But his three-year-old has become about as obsessed as Star Wars uh, as he is. Uh, he says her first movie in the theater was The Force uh, Awakens, uh, and her room is decked out. She asks to watch Rebels and read a Star Wars story before bed every night. And this brings me to my first observation. I was reading her Yoda and the Count, which is an Attack of the Clones story from Five Minute Star Wars Stories, and it occurred to me that there's a pretty big similarity between what Yoda does in his battle with Dooku and the main point that Rose teaches Finn in The Last Jedi. When it comes to the end of Yoda's duel with Dooku, he has to make a choice. When Dooku goes to crush Obi-Wan and Anakin, uh, do I save the people I care about or do I destroy the thing I hate? Um, he chose to save the people he cares about and his fellow Jedi rather than destroying Dooku, which he totally could have. This seems to have a pretty direct correlation with what Rose does and says at the end of Last Jedi. She, like Yoda, chooses to save the person she cares about instead of allowing him to destroy the thing he hates. And in doing so, they both take huge risks. Um, he asks if we noticed any other specific instances of this throughout the episodes. And I think the biggest one for me that comes to mind is in Return of the Jedi. When Luke goes and says, I will not fight you, father. And the only reason he wins is because he chooses to love his father instead of hate Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's just a really brilliant bit of symmetry that flows from Attack of the Clones to The Last Jedi and from Return of the Jedi into The Last Jedi and really ties into Luke's character uh, and that that inspiration he kind of has. Well, even, um, even though Luke wasn't there in person on Crate, he did the same thing there, too. I mean, he sacrificed himself for everybody else. And he wouldn't kill Kylo. Kylo. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know. What about what about you, Holly? Any other any other instances of that? Mm, I I'm trying to think, and I'm coming up blank. So don't hover on me because I'll waste time. Okay, but um, Travis, he went on to say uh, he he saw some other uh, uh, similarities in the the films, and that 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 was all he had for now. He looks forward to listening to more episodes, and uh, and that was that from him. Yay! Welcome, Travis welcome hey i scared a listener with that last week holly 
You did. Oh yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, so Brian, we were reading email last week, and the guy was a newer listener. Or no, I said something about you know any newer listeners. You know, welcome to the show, and you know we're happy to have you. And for any listeners, you know everybody come back. We're like welcome back. Well, apparently this person um, paused their podcast when somebody came up to talk to him. And when they went to hit play, I said, welcome back. And uh, he thought I was watching him. And maybe I was. I might have been. You never know, because I am creepy like that. (laughs) I really am. Who was that? Drive me nuts now. Oh, that you scared? I don't recall. I didn't take the great delight in having scared someone that you did. (laughs) (laughs) That did. That really made me happy. Um, I think it was Glenn. I think that's who it was. Anyway, I'm sorry, Brian. Uh, Travis's no, email was very good, and uh, thank you for for listening. First of all, and second of all, thank you for uh, reaching out to us and telling us what you think. Yeah, it's important. No, absolutely. And I'm sorry I I I, I uh, tweeted about this before I read the email, and now I'm going to look like a, a jerk or something because it's definitely a connection that I put together, and now I read your email because it was really good, and I really love that tie. And, uh, yeah. The tie he's wearing or the tie between the two things? The tie between the movies. I don't know what tie Travis well, I just wanted to see if you were as creepy as me. Maybe you were watching him. Who right. Knows? We've established that there's some weird voyeurism going on amongst the two of you. I clearly am not guilty of that. Clearly. <laughs> you just don't admit it openly. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, there was a lot of good emails this week. Um, and we're going to get to them. And if you would like to leave us a, an email, you know how to do it. You go on to your Computron device and go to holocronofbullsith.com in your email program and uh, let us know what you think. Tell us that we're old and out of touch. Tell us that we're great. Well, it's up to you. You know, I'm either way. I Those like two things emails. aren't mutually exclusive. No, but I'm just saying, I'm just trying to give people the, the push. But no, there were some great emails this week. Thank you. I sent them along to you guys. You guys got to read them too. I think this is at a natural closing point of the show, so I'm going to take the moment to have Brian tell us where we can find him now that he's back. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Swankmatron. Uh, everyone else seems to have, and it's been a really interesting couple of weeks on Twitter, but find me there. You can find uh, all the articles I'm writing, whether that's for StarWars.com or HowStuffWorks or BigShinyRobot.com there. Um, you can also get a subscription to my short stories at uh, Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Swankmatron. Uh, in the next few days, I'm going to be releasing the new one for this month, and it's, uh, I think, quite a treat. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, Twitter's probably the best way to get hold of me, though. Okay. Holly? Uh, I'm on Twitter as Surliest Girl. And Instagram is surlygirly5, and my uh, regular day job podcast is uh, Stuff You Missed in History Class, which can be found at MissedInHistory.com. And then uh, Brian and I also host one called Phothentichistory.com. Another great show. Taking fictional history maybe way too seriously, and that is at Phothentics on Twitter and uh, PhotenticHistory.com on the interwebs. And you yes. Can, you can find them on Spotify and, and all those other places, too. I noticed Tali this week. Yes. Yeah, very cool. It's 1993 in my head all the time, so I want to give a shout-out to somebody. Um, Justin Bulger wrote a really good article on StarWars.com, six highlights from the Star Wars Rebel trailer, uh, mid-season four trailer. And... Um, yeah, if you get a chance, go there and check it out. It was a good article. I love Justin. He's yeah. so nice. He's a good gent. We'll keep him. Yeah, he's a good dude. I haven't. I don't have as much experience uh, talking to him as you guys do, but I, I, I really like that, and, and I thought I would mention it. Um, if you want to find me, go to themic.com. All things there uh, for the show. Holocron at fullsith.com is the email. Uh, if you want to send us a voicemail, just record it on your device and email it to us, or you can use the SpeakPipe app on our website at fullsith.com. And there we post all of our show arts and information. And Holly, could you send me that EW article? I'd like to put that in the notes as well. The Brett sure. article. Thank you. Um, also, Facebook.com slash Full of Sith. Go like us there if you haven't already. Facebook.com slash groups slash Full of Sith. There's where you can go have all the conversations. And our Twitters are at the mic, at Full of Sith, at Surliest Girl, at uh, Swankmatron, and at 
Bobby Roberts PDX, I still think that you should be giving Bobby the love he deserves for the three-parter, How the Force Works. Um, I actually listened to him again this past weekend when I was um, working up in my studio, cutting some stick-ass. So, it's some good stuff. And uh, if you want to find the show somewhere else, like, I'm unhappy with where I listen to Full of Sith. Well, you can do it on our website. You can do it at Spotify. You can do it on our iHeartRadio. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it in Google Play Store. You can... So many. Oh, Stitcher. That's another one. And if you haven't left us a review on one of those places and you feel the need to, please do. We'd appreciate it. And uh, that will wrap up this episode, which I believe is 252 of Full the Sith. And um, are we good? Do Anything else to add? No, that's it. Okay. So yeah, for, that was thorough. Yeah. So for my great co-host, Holly Fry and Brian Young, I am the Mike Pilot. May the force be with you. Always. If you'll not be meeting me, I'll close down for a while. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.